Shalom Chavirim! I'm Rafi. I'm Daniela. And you are watching or listening to B'nai Kiva's brand new podcast, Past and Present. You can find us on YouTube, Spotify and Facebook. Where we'll be interviewing Chavirim of B'nai Kiva of the past and present to share with you some exciting insights into their lives. Shalom Chavirim, welcome back to Past and Present. Today we are very honoured to be joined by an amazing couple from Israel who truly lived the life of B'nai Akiva and have so, so much to share with us. So Sarah and Jason, welcome. I'm not going to say too much because I know you're going to introduce yourselves, but thank you so much for joining us today. Our pleasure. So without any further ado, the first question, as Daniela alluded to, is please introduce yourselves a bit about who you are, what you do, background. Uh, please feel free to share. Okay, so I'll start. Okay, my name is Sarah Sharman Moser, and um, I grew up in Chigwell. And when I was nine, my family moved to Portsmouth um, on the south coast. I moved back to London when I was a teenager. Um, I was involved in B'nai Kiva camps, I don't know, from the age of 10, something like that. Um, I was in, I was on Hachshoah Torani for two years in Israel, came back to study at university in England, um, met Jason, and we made Aliyah in 1998, which is 23 years ago, um, at which point we lived in Kibbutz in Surin for a few years, and we are now living in um, Nofailon, near Modian, for anyone who doesn't know. Jason? Okay, um, yeah, quick word. So um, I uh, lived in Edgware, grew up in Edgware, was always in Edgware, <laughs> didn't move around in the same way. Um, also, member of B'nai Kiva from uh, age, however, however young you can be to join B'nai Kiva. Um, went to camps, I did not go to Hachara. Um, I went in university, I was um, firstly uh, Rosh Sriva in Belmont, um, and then after that, uh, what we used to call a hit Bogier, I don't know if we still have those things. Um, a Bogrim who travel around different Shabbatot, uh, different Srivot to, to visit, uh, particularly at Shabbat Hill in time. Um, and then um, I took actually a year out of university to be Maskeer of the Nekiva for a year in 1996 7, 5757. Um, uh, and then that so and so has told you the rest. So that's, uh... <laughs> well, I mean, we've got so much to go through, but if I may pick up on one thing, which is something that Sarah said, which is you did. Hasharat Torani for two years. So the truth was that two years was always a thing, but very few people did it. It was more common for the boys to do it than the girls. So I spent a year in Madrasha Harova, which is where Hasharat Torani was, and I think it still is one of the places that girls can go to. And we spent time on Kibbutz Lavi, which was a really amazing experience. That was the time when we used to go to Kibbutz. Um, and then I just couldn't bring myself to come back to England yet. Um, and I went for a second year to Orot, um, um, which I then decided, okay, now, I mean, I even applied to university in Israel, but I decided, no, I need to come back to England. I wanted to study in London. And the truth was I had a great three years um, doing some studying and lots of B'nai Kivering and camps and uh, really having a good time. So I'm really pleased about that. Um, two years is recommended for everybody. I recommend it. <laughs> I, I, I was fortunate uh, to do two years in Israel. Uh, I went to Yeshiva Hakata. Uh, but what's an interesting distinction is 
the Hachsharat Torah program nowadays is one year. So those who decide to do a second year, it's independent of the first. So I think that's a slight distinction. But um, yeah. It was, also, it, was just, it was also separate then, but it was sort of, I don't know if it was really a thing, but they talked, you know, some, not many people stayed. There was one other girl that stayed as well, um, but most people came back. Great. Um, I'd be interested to hear what do you both do today for a living? Or what have you done over the course of your careers? Okay, so um, uh, for, for uh, professionally, I work as an actuary. Um, for those of you who don't know what an actuary is, I will explain. Um, an actuary is someone who does the statistics, uh, usually for insurance companies or pension funds. So I work, for, I work for Menorah Insurance Company as an actuary in the non life business. Um, we mentioned uh, uh, previously that when we came back to Israel, we were in uh, Ain Sarim for a few years. Um, Ain Sarim, um, we were there because I was studying at the now defunct um, Yeshivata Kibbutz Sadati Southern Branch in Ain Sarim, um, where I studied in the, uh, I guess I guess you can call it the Kolel there. Um, I studied for Rabbanat Smicha, so I also am a Rav on the side. Um, I volunteer as a Rav for Tzoa and perform uh, weddings um, in my spare time. Um, and additionally, just uh, when I have, have some additional spare time, I also volunteer for Madura and I drive an ambulance. Oh. <laughs> Which we have some great stories, but it's not really relevant today. <laughs> <laughs> we, we can tell you another time about the, uh, okay. you know, like, like the beeper going off just as we're starting Seder night and Jason disappearing for, you know, half an hour, an hour or something. You know, it's cool. Yeah, we, have, we have good stories. <laughs> we'll tell you one afterwards. Um, I am I studied pharmacy in London um, and I worked for a few years as a pharmacist and about nearly 10 years ago I moved into medical research in Maccabi, Maccabi Healthcare where um, we do epidemiological health uh, research which I think since Covid started most people know what epidemiology is so at least you know something good came out of it um, but I'm also a Yoetzet Halakha um, studied in Nishmat and I work on the hotline for Nishmat um, which is a really amazing experience and um, you know thank God for Midrashot today. Um, what else do I do? I teach Tanakh in, a midrash, in two Midrashots just on the side um, and also Madrashat Kalot for Tzohar and for religious girls for non-religious couples that are getting married um, which is it's actually the, the, one of the best things that I enjoy because you know you get to know people from all different walks of life and all different you know religious non-religious um, different places around the world even and we learn about different people and and it I think it's uh, important for us all to to listen to other people's views and respect them and 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 um, there's not really enough of that in the world today unfortunately. <laughs> I'd be really interested to know how B'nai Akiva has shaped the people that you are today. Well, obviously, the most important thing about uh, B'nai Akiva is that we met in B'nai Akiva. Um, so uh, <laughs> the fact that we are together is uh, due to B'nai Akiva. Um, so I, I wasn't going to say that. That's obviously the most, obviously the most important thing. <laughs> it didn't even occur to me. <laughs> 
Um, I, I can tell you that I went to my first um, Bnei Kiva meeting. I still remember it. I think I was six in Chigwell. And I remember coming home and telling my parents, I'm going to make Aliyah. So great brain, brains, uh, brainwashing Bnei Kiva there at the age of six. But the truth is, even though they probably didn't like pay any attention, it, it always stayed with me. And, and, and I think that the ideology that Bnei Kiva gave us, that you call it what you want, but, you know, the belief in Torah and Avodah and obviously Aliyah. But again, I, you know, I say that a little bit of care because not everybody makes Aliyah, not everybody wants to make Aliyah and, 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 and everyone has to do what they want to do. But, but I think it gave us something really uh, positive and meaningful and strong to believe in and to take with us through the years and through the teenage years, which are, you know, volatile sometimes and, um, and then to teach, and then to be Madrachim and teach the next generation that that this is something really important. It's something that speaks to our heart. It's something that we believe in. Um, and the fact that Bnei Kiva, I don't know about now, but it, it, it we, there were so many different types of people there. You know, they were religious kids and they were non-religious kids, and and everybody just had a great time together. And there was something really special about that. Um, as Hanichim and also as Madrachim afterwards. You know, we had a great time and. So, and I always found that the, the informal type of education whereby you could have five tochniot a day at Machane, and they're all to do with the same theme, but it's so subtle that you only realize it at the end of the day as a chanich and as a madrich, obviously you hopefully you understand it a little bit more than that, um, was, was a great way of teaching and learning. Um, so B'nai Kiva certainly really affected me. Um, all the way through, I, I stuck to it and I believed in it. And in fact, when when I was in university and I said, I'm not going out with anyone that doesn't want to make Aliyah. That was like, that was a no go. And people were like, oh, don't be silly, you know? And I said, no, I can't do that. And, and the truth is we never spoke about Aliyah because it was just a given we were going to make Aliyah. And in fact, I remember Jason coming back from Machane once when you were Rosh of Gimel or something saying, oh, we have to talk about ideology. And we never did, <laughs> but, but uh, do you remember that? Um, because it was just, it was obvious. It was something we didn't even need to talk about, um, which not everybody has it that easy, I guess. But, um, but for us, it was, it was really, um, it was obvious. So. Well, it's going uh, on that topic then of uh, Rosh Machaneh, um, casting our minds back to the, the days of B'nai Akivering in your terms, during your university years. Um, Sarah, I want to ask you first, if you have any stories, stories that come to mind um, from when you were at Rosh of Machana, or to be honest, any uh, Machana stories that you would like to share? Um, so Machana was just an amazing experience. Um, you know, I think we still sit around and talk about it now <laughs> to a certain degree, you know, like those sort of carefree days of uh, um, of responsibility, being in the middle of nowhere. When we took Machane, they we would get dropped off in a field with nothing. We'd have to build the tents ourselves, you know, like the 10 man sleeping tents and then the the Chada Ochel tent and the Bet Knesset tent, um, which took about a day. And then there was pre-camp. Um, and then the kids came exactly. So there was what when I was at Rosh Aleph Chalutzi, I was at the end of one enormous field, and Bet Base was at the other end of this field, um, which we couldn't even see them. It was so big. But the Rosh of Bet Base was Johnny Clark, who's a friend of ours today, um, still to today, and he couldn't get up in the morning. So, so I had to drive down the field and hoot outside his tent to wake him up every morning and then drive back to my end of the field <laughs> to carry on my machaleh. So that was uh, that was always very amusing. Um, 
I think, you know, we were in the days of before cell phones, before mobile phones. So nobody had mobile phones. We didn't have mobile phones. We had like what, uh, like a walkie talkies for the Roche Machane that we'd talk to each other on walkie talkies. We still um, use those. Really? That's yeah. it. <laughs> um, You're not guaranteed signal on these sites. Oh, I see. Yeah. Okay, of course. Right. Um, and I just have like these happy memories of everybody standing on their chair at Machane and singing and um, um, doing Father Abraham. I don't know if you still know what that is. Um, <laughs> Rafi, I can see that, that you know that, that, that song is. hasn't been sung for a while. Oh, really? I'm yeah. sure there's other songs that take in its places. Uh, <laughs> um, one, and some some of the some of the talking not really like stick out. So, or, or for instance, I remember other winter in the we had this great madrachim's room where one of the madrachim would always spend all of the madrachim's meetings um, on his head. Um, don't ask. Um, I have a photo to prove it. Um, or, you know, we used to have tuck. Do you know what tuck is? We do. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, or actually one of the um, best tochenyot that I remember as a chanicha and also as a, as, as, as a, as a madricha was, was building, spending all day building a middle, medieval village and then the Cossacks coming and burning it down in the middle of a wedding or something like, you know, and there was going like these extremes of uh, atmosphere that was like we were reliving Jewish history uh, and it was coming to life. It was something that uh, Bnei Kiva always did very well in that type of thing, I think. Um, but actually, Jason's got a good Machane story. Do you want to tell him a good story? So I, I will tell my Machane story. Um, we had when I was before Maskir elect, um, I was Yosh Machane of Gimel um, in summer and we were we were on the first day of camp, um, as we described, as I described, we were putting up the camp. So we were still putting up tents uh, for the Matrachim, um, fighting the wind to put up the Chadorachel uh, and so on. Um, and the Maskir, who was Gil White at the time, came to visit us and he had his van that he was driving and he parked it in the field and we went in for, we had whatever discussion we had, and then we all went in to eat lunch. Um, and while we were eating lunch, uh, my scun, uh, who was Isaac Warnon, said to me, keep him occupied, we've got something planned. So I sat and discussed, I don't remember what with Gil, um, ideology or aliyah or something. Um, and in the meantime, outside the Sevet um, led by Isaac went and built a tent over Gil's car, um, a sleeping tent over the top of the car. Um, and then when we finished eating, <laughs> Gil came out uh, and with his keys in hand and said, okay, I'll be off now and turned around to look for his car. And there was no car anywhere. There was just tents in the fields. <laughs> and it took him about 10 minutes to figure out where his car actually was. Brilliant. Um, Jason, you mentioned that you were Maskir. Can you, you know, that, that must have been an incredible experience. Can you tell us a bit about that? Um, yes, it was. Um, it was an incredible experience. Um, looking back now, I'm more terrified, I think, than I was at the time. <laughs> And I didn't appreciate the uh, responsibility um, that the position has with it. Um, you know, at some point in the summer when Machana were all up and running, I was in charge of, I don't remember, uh, Israel Machana and, and Hachshawat were on their way and there were camps all over the place. You know, I was in charge of uh, 1,500 children in three continents or something. And I was, you know, 20, 22. I'm like, what? Now, what? now it scares me. At the time, I thought it was perfectly normal. Um, <laughs> uh, but it was, you know, it was, it was certainly, it was a... Uh, um, an experience that shaped me. Um, uh, initially, I, I didn't want to be Muskir. I will say, I will say, in fact, initially I wasn't doing anything for Bnei Kiva, um, but there weren't, there weren't people volunteering for the Muskir route. Um, so the uh, 
Rav Shaliach, um, Rav Yossi Chovav at the time, he pulled me over one evening after Limud and said, listen, there's no one on the Maskewa, perhaps, you know, perhaps you'll consider being, you know, Chinuch worker next year. So I went away and thought about it and said, you know, maybe, okay, I could do it part-time, I'll fit in my university some of the time and work for Beneki, but part of the time, I, I, we can make that work. Um, so I agreed to that. And then he called me back again. He said, you know, it's no good having a Chinuch worker if there's no Maskewa. We're going to need you to be Maskewa. Um, and I said, no, no, no. But he was fairly persuasive, apparently. Um, so I said to my parents, I want to going to be Maskewa B'nai Kiva. And they said, well, if your university agrees, thinking there's no way the university was going to let me have, have a year off in the middle of my degree. <laughs> um, but as I said, I was studying Jewish history. So I went to the head of department um, and I said, I want to take a year off to be Maskewa B'nai Kiva. And she said, that's amazing. We encourage our, our students to do uh, you know, volunteer activities and that type of stuff. So they said, no problem at all. Um, so to my parents, great uh, dismay, I think I became Maskewa B'nai Kiva. Um, but it was it was an amazing year. Um, you know, it gave um, uh, opportunities. Um, you know, uh, I look back in speaking at the Yom Ha'atzmaut event um, uh, after the chief rabbi in uh, Raleigh close in front of an audience of you know whatever two thousand people. Um, opportunity to, to run and shape and shape the movement. Um, it was you know it, it was stuff that. You know, I, even now I look back and say it was a responsibility that, that now I'm not sure I'd take on. Um, uh, and suddenly at that age, um, it, 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 I was fairly um, um, introvert at the time, but being Muskim meant like, you know, I had to come out of myself and, and, and take control. Um, and that's something that's, you know, stood me in good stead from then on. Fantastic. And for the next question, uh, uh, the two of you actually did allude to this earlier when speaking about how you guys uh, met and this is to do with Aliyah. Um, if you'd be happy to share a little bit about your Aliyah journey and when, and I, I think you're going to say it's obvious, but why personally the two of you decided to make Aliyah and when and why specifically at the specific time at which you made Aliyah? So I, th so I think so, you know, said so before, um, it was clear to both of us that we were making Aliyah um, from very young. Um, I, I, I don't think it was ever a question for either of us, um, although I'll say, let's say I'll speak for ourselves afterwards. Um, uh, and then, you know, we, we, we both studied in Israel, but went back to England uh, for university. Um, and then it was, um, I, I took it, as I say, a year out to be Maskit. And then it was fairly clear that we wanted to move, make Aliyah at that stage and not start professional, proper professional work life in England. Um, because our feeling then was that the more you get involved, um, start working in a career, working your way up a professional ladder, um, start a family, um, at each stage it becomes harder and harder um, to get up and move. Um, and therefore we said we're just going to do it right at the beginning. Um, before we start anything else. Um, and that added to the fact that, as I said, I wanted to come back and study in Yeshiva. Um, so that was made, made the decision fairly clear cut, um, but that was when we, when we were gonna make Aliyah. It was always, uh, you know, as I said, it was always clear to us that we were gonna make Aliyah. Um, we say it now, um, particularly around the period of Yom Asma'ut, um, Yom Asikon, Yom Asma'ut, um, but, but not just, um, and our kids are fairly tired of hearing it from us, you know, but, we talk about the fact that Jews, you know, for 2,000 years, um, <laughs> Jews for 2,000 years prayed every day to be able to come back to Israel um, and, and didn't have the opportunity and couldn't. 
Um, and we now have the opportunity today um, to actually to actually be here and live here. Um, particularly now, um, you know, we, we feel that we have a son-in-law and son currently in the army, um, which makes Yom Azikaron uh, a special, um, um, an even more meaningful experience. Um, we said we've got an opportunity now that we have, you know, our children. Uh, I, I also did the army in the, I, we made Ali Ali slightly older, so I did not very much army, but I was in the army. Um, but now, you know, we feel we, we have, you know, we're here part of the, um, you know, Jewish nation in our homeland, you know, with our own soldiers defending where we should be. Um, you know, that's on a macro level and on a micro level. You know, when you hear people on the radio, which you Shabbat Shalom or Chag Sameach, um, we say, this is where we should be and nowhere else. Yeah, but we also know that, um, you know, even though we live ideals and we both manage to find jobs and be happy in our careers, that it's, it's not easy, you know, like, you know, there's no impression that it's just all, you know, simple to um, just to get on the plane, you know, you still have to learn Hebrew and, and really learning Hebrew is probably, you know, maybe one of the things that we really recommend, you know, we came both with basic Hebrew and we lived in places the first few years where we had to speak Hebrew. We didn't, we weren't living in places where there were lots of Anglos, um, which of course is fine to go and live in place lots of Anglos, but if you really want to be able to feel part of the country, you really do need to speak Hebrew and be able to converse and to be able to, you know, argue in Hebrew when you want to argue, <laughs> as you do, or you want to uh, haggle something down, which you want to do. So um, that's, you know, that's part of it is, is also being, making sure that you go to Upan when you get here and, and, um, and really work at the Hebrew, and, and it comes, it does come eventually. Um, but it's, again, it's it's a process. It's a, you, know, you know, we've been here for 23 years, that's a long time. But I remember we got off the plane and not quite sure where we were, what we were doing, and we had to go through all the, all the um, bureaucratic stuff. We got some sort of thing that wasn't air conditioned at the time, and you didn't have a number, so you had to know you were after that person, they're after you, and all this stuff. Now it's much easier. But, um, but uh, again, we're, under, you know, we're not saying it's an easy thing, but it's definitely the investment and the effort and the time and the belief, so. Right, definitely. Um, are there any closing words that you want to leave us with, a message for um, the AUK Javeron? Um, um, be proud of being part of the Nekiva. It's a wonderful movement. And as you heard, it's definitely something that is, has, you know, built our lives in, singularly and together. Um, we are more than welcome to talk to anybody that wants to talk about Aliyah or about particular careers. We want to come and stay for Shabbat. We are happy to host. Um, and if there's anything we can do to help for anybody that wants to make Aliyah or come to Midrashah or anything that we've spoken about, then we'll be delighted. Yeah, I, you know, I want to say that our time, you know, certainly our time when we were in the Nekiva um, was formative um, in terms of um, who we are and what we believe in. Um, you know, take the time, the, the debates uh, and the arguments that you have uh, as a Sanirist, Madrist, Bulgarian, the Nekiva, and stuff that doesn't come back, uh, you know, occasionally, but, but, but rarely. You get caught up in the humdrum daily life. Um, and, and those opportunities, you know, to really um thrash out um, what we believe and why we believe it um it's so important so make the most of those opportunities um and learn everything you can um and that's lacha. thank you well that sarah and jason thank you so 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 much it has been quite inspiring to 
hear from you both. And it, it, it's great, particularly when our, particularly our younger Chavarim are able to see a couple uh, from uh, the UK really make it happen. Practically. And um, I um, hope you have, well, firstly, an amazing Shabbos, because at the time of recording, this is Erev Shabbat. Um, so thank you for coming on Erev Shabbat. And also continue to be inspiring, I guess, not only uh, for us, but to your local community uh, um, in North Ireland. So uh, uh, wishing everybody, uh, well, if you're listening to this, good Shabbos. And... Uh, and uh, Hashem Imachem.